0: Like
1: a plan. All right. Well, this is the audit room on Clubhouse. This week, we're talking about security with Julio Tirado. My name is Trent Russell. I'm the host of the audit podcast, co-host of the audit room, and founder of Green Skies Analytics, where we do all things analytics for internal audit. Uh, I'll throw it to my, my co-host here, Tracy, to do an intro. also.
2: Yeah, my name is Tracy Marquardt. I'm known as Europe's leading audit communication consultant, and I work with global internal audit teams to help them work on their communication leadership and productivity so that they get better results than ever before. And I'm also co-host of the audit room and happy to be here with our guest.
0: Howdy. I I guess that's my cue. (laughs) That's your cue. (laughs) Thank you, Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Trent. With, uh, good morning. Good afternoon. Uh, appreciate the invitation. My name is William Torado. I'm the director of internal audit at Security Bank. We are a community bank headquartered in Florida, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, I, I have been in internal audit mostly since 2007. I had the, the chance to uh, spend uh, a couple years as a as a contractor, still doing internal audit. I did a year as a security officer, a year as as a risk manager, and. Uh, now back to audit, been doing audit for a little, a little while longer now, back since 2016, I believe. Uh, I've been involved in the community one way or the other. In the very beginning, I got did a lot of volunteering with our local IIA chapter. Back then, it was local in the city. Uh, and eventually, got back and got involved in some other things. Been recently helping with what we call the cybersecurity roundtable that I recently got to hand over to some of the folks. I'm really excited to push that forward. But I appreciate the invitation, happy to hear. It here talk about
1: the uh, security auditing anything you'd like to cover yeah and julio you're a bit of a, a renaissance man uh and internal audit given your, your security background and what you're doing there and then i know you and i have talked about machine learning and what you're doing there and data analytics and and other it uh, especially related topics but for the sake of, of kicking this off i know you've also hosted a webinar recently um with Pedro Serrano on security yes. news with you know that, that's been going on and so I was, I was hoping you could just kind of catch us all up also just kind of what's what's going on in security lately
0: yeah well there's a there's a thing or two happening a <laughs> thing or two things happening for sure. <laughs> so security has been a busy area uh, I say area and that you know attacks have, have been occurring since forever and for a long time you guys may remember, there was just a lot of discussion about data breaches. There were tons of data breaches happening, big companies, small companies, no exception. But lately, as you guys know, ransomware has been has been all the craze, has been the hot topic. But what I thought I'd do is, is pivot back to data breaches, because I think it's important to remind all of us that it isn't just about the ransomware attacks in you know, organizations, uh, private or public. We have to think about the variety of attacks that we can be victim to. And, and plan for them prepare for them respond to them accordingly so you guys in the news you will see that mcdonald's mcdonald's uh, disclosed a data breach uh, some small number of files and, and, and data uh, i believe from their from their data stores in korea taiwan supposedly they, they, they reportedly they identified and contained the incident very quickly which which is what you would expect of a large company like mcdonald's with as many resources they have uh, but at that that, it, that particular article that incident's important to, to bring up because it it's, it doesn't matter how large you are, how many resources you have. Obviously, the United States government was hacked. So this is a challenge for all organizations of all sizes. You guys might have heard also of electronic arts. Uh, I, uh, um, I grew up playing EA sports video games. <laughs> I grew up playing basketball video games every single day when I probably should have been coding, but whatever. <laughs> so when I hear EA, I, I, I have some, an emotional connection to that. Well, EA disclosed recently a, a, a data breach where hackers stole source code, a gaming source code, and reportedly are selling it on, on hacking forums. And I believe in the article, EA said that the hackers only took a, a, a part of the code base as opposed to the, the whole thing. But that's obviously still not, not desirable. There, there are consequences legally and, and, and operationally and so on that come from that. Um, so that's, that's, that's a challenge for sure. You know, data breach A data breach has many, many more consequences beyond just customer data being being exfiltrated, which in and of itself is a bad thing, right? And then the the third data breach example I'll point out is Volkswagen. Very, very recently disclosed a data breach where over 3 million customers uh, were uh, data. Data for 3 million customers were compromised. And I believe this was a collection of sales and marketing data. Uh, it's, It's about... It's rather old, um, but the bottom line is they, they had the information exposed in the cloud, unsecured for at least ten months. So whether you have an incident where, say, an attacker reuses or, or finds reused passwords and, and finds, for example, a remote app, a remote account or VPN account, and, and then makes a lot uses that as the the, the attack vector to gain access to a company, or whether an attacker finds openly accessible unsecured stuff in the cloud, there are different reasons why data breaches can happen, but ransomware as popular as it is, we have to care about the data breaches too.
1: And I've got a lot of follow-up questions just even based on that, but I'll kick it to Tracy first.
2: I'm, I'm, I didn't know about Volkswagen. When did that happen? Because uh,
0: I drive one. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it's, it sells and marketing data that apparently was created anywhere between 2014 and 2019. Uh, but I, I don't, unless you're driving an autonomous car, I wouldn't overly stress too much <laughs> about this. But but your concern, though, is still legitimate. I mean, the truth is, I, I pointed out three examples. There are so many organizations that are victims of these incidents. And the way that I, I think about it is it's, it's really like, I mean, people need to accept that there's no 100% secure environment. We cannot be free from breaches or incidents or ransomware attacks. It's really, it's kind of like, you know, we, we all do a variety of things as, as organisms, as humans, just to, to deal with, say, a bacterial infection. You know, we, we shower, we, we, have, we have a sanitation, sanitation systems. We if we get sick, we take uh, antibiotics. There's so many things that we do to help healthy but we will get sick, right? But if we are promoting a healthy living, eating, exercise, and then we, we get the antibiotics whenever we're sick, we, we, we don't have to worry about a significant major impact to our lives. We get sick for a day, we recover, we, we move on. And that's really how companies deal or should deal with cybersecurity. We know what's going to happen. Assume that you will be attacked. Assume you will be breached. Prepare for accordingly, not just to prevent a detective, but
1: to respond and correct if, when, that whatever the incident happens happens. I think as we've been all working from home, I probably haven't been as hygienic as I typically would (laughs) nobody really sees me or maybe smells me except my dogs. But um, I thought that was a great analogy. I've never heard it put that way, but I really like that analogy. The the follow-up question I had was, since everyone is getting hit, basically, what is there like a threshold for what has to be publicly made? I mean, why do we not hear... More and more and more, or is it just the big companies or the big breaches that we hear about? Is there like a threshold for what has to be reported? Well, I'm no
0: expert in GDPR, which is the the it's it's Europe's uh, answer to protecting privacy for folks across the world. Um, if you are a company that is subject to GDPR, if you have information that is 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 uh, uh, that are owned by or provided by uh, citizens of the, of the EU, then you, you as an organization have strict reporting requirements. And I, I wanna say it's a 72 hour requirement to disclose a breach. I, I, I defer to my DPR experts on that. But the point is there's some regulation for companies that do business with folks from the EU that have a reporting requirement Within the U.S., individual states have their own breach notification law, so it, it differs from state to state. And if you're a financial institution like, like uh, the one that I work at, when we, we, we then have to um, be, be guided by our own regulations, which, are, which in our case would be the Grand leach bliley Act. So it really differs. I mean, you raise a really good question. Is there one standard? No. Uh, some companies will not be subject to a requirement. Some will. Uh, some won't know about it. Uh, it, it, and one of the things that has come out is uh, President Biden's executive order. Uh, I want to say it was about a month ago and when it was, it was signed. Uh, that's creating some new requirements for notification and for information sharing. So there, there's just a lot happening. There's a lot developing. And, and frankly, you know, as somebody who works for a bank who's very much familiar with regulation, I don't, I don't instinctively recommend regulation. But I'd be shocked if we don't see future where there is more regulation that may hopefully unify things. So this, this is just a big challenge at this point.
1: Tracy, living in, in Germany and being our, our local, if I could say that, European, I don't know if you have some insight into to GDPR. Um,
2: well, certainly I can tell you that GDPR is, is everywhere here. We have to have disclosure on our websites. We have to have pages and pages and pages in our contracts that we sign. And um, it is very important to, to notify early and there's all kinds of requirements that we have to fulfill. But I think from an, from an audit perspective, um, whenever I see uh, GDPR, I'll call them breaches um, in, in, um, in audit findings, they're typically high risk audit findings, right? Because the, the fee is up to 4% of annual global turnover. So it's a super material amount of money and um, so generally, we see those reported as, as high risk uh, findings. So um, it's 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 like a flag indicator. There's some flag indicators for high risk findings. Typically, they start you know F words. Um, but um, um, GDPR is a big one from from over here. So it's a it's a, it's it's you know it's a big big topic. Leo, you also but
0: mentioned. You mentioned. Go ahead, sorry, go ahead. No, please go ahead. I was going to add to what Tracy said that the financial consequences, she mentioned four uh, percent. I believe it, I could be wrong, but sales or revenue. But that's 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 a lot of financial incentive, and and you know that I word incentive. That's I think that's a piece that's missing. You have to ask yourself the question: What what incentivizes organizations uh, other than the obvious? What incentivizes organizations to to be proactive about security to make it a, a key pillar of the business? Uh, well. It may, it may take something like GDPR that has a, an explicit financial consequence. Um, I heard a, a gentleman uh, the other day, his name is John Strand, he's, he's, a, he's a reputable security expert in the, in the industry. And one of the things he mentioned is that he, he actually favored the idea of having something that is GDPR-like and that it's a little more objective-based, that, that, that is a little more vague. So rather than say, for example, you know, companies should have minimum minimum of eight characters uh, in length and complexity, which is, by the way, really, really weak. Uh, instead, perhaps we ask organizations or our organizations to have achieved some level of strength and complexity for passwords that is commercially reasonable given the current threats and the current landscape and so on. So maybe that's what it'll take something GDPR like that's less prescriptive and more
1: objective based to get us to a better state. But that's again just sort of so hypothetical. I do have a, a, a question, but as an aside, are you familiar with, we're talking about passwords. And so whenever I get the chance, I try to spread the, the good word of this uh, tool, LastPass. Are you familiar with those? Yes, I oh, am. Yeah. So I even when I, do, yeah, even when I do analytics trainings and I'll do like a, um, here are the, the analytics tools you can use, here are the free ones, here are the ones that you have to pay for and so on. I'll throw LastPass out there, even though it's completely unrelated to analytics, but it's so <laughs> helpful. Um, but what it is, it's, it's an app, and I've got it on my phone and in my browser, and it will create, I don't know, I think up to like 35 character passwords with all the characters and numbers and letters and, and everything else that you would need in there, and then it stores it for you, and all you have to remember is one master password, uh, and so usually right. people will make it like a sentence or something like that, so it's, so it's pretty complex, and that's all you have to remember, um, and it also fills in when you go to put your password in on any given website or most websites, it lets you kind of basically right click and say, fill it in with my last pass username and password. So it has saved me just a, a ton of headache and stress from, oh, what's that password? Let me go. Uh, yep. Forgot it. Send me the email, redo it again. I know I'm going to forget it next time I have to do this. So anyway, that's, uh, anytime I get a chance, I always promote LastPass a little, and it's free. I think you can get one for like three bucks a month, but the free one's really good too.
0: I've got no, it I after regarding time. the I'm
2: sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, Julia. I just gonna say I have the last pass and I use it all the time. I no longer have a list of seventy-four individual passwords. Go ahead, Julia.
0: Oh, only 74. <laughs> well, so LastPass or a 1Password or, or a key K-Pass, uh, I believe, uh, those, those are great resources. And I, I would love for everybody to have one or the other. And one of the things that you reminded me of, Trent, is we've all heard of the Colonial Pipeline hack. That's what got everybody excited about ransomware recently. And with Colonial Pipeline, it's been recently reported. I, I believe this came out in, in the CEO's testimony before Congress recently we can report is was how the attack got started, the, the attack vector. And, and typically what you have with these kind of attacks is that they start with a phishing attack. They'll send an email to an unsuspecting victim, they'll click a link and they may install software or they, a malware, or maybe they'll collect credentials, passwords and IDs and, and, and the attacker will pivot from there. Uh, well, in the case of Colonial Pipeline, the attackers reportedly found you know, the old, old passwords from, from Colonial Pipeline. Well all passwords that were associated with user ID associated with the Colonial Pipeline VPN account. And and this, this happens whenever, uh, if you as an employee use your, your employer's uh, email account and register with many, many services that have nothing to do with your employer, well, if any of those services get compromised and passwords and IDs get get exposed, exfiltrated, well, that stuff may be, may be sold or shared within hacker forums and in the dark web. And, and if, if folks with intent find those things, they can they can try those credentials and, and hope for the best. And in this case, with Colonial Pipeline, apparently that user of that VPN account, that remote, account, remote access account, uh, reused the password that was previously compromised from some unrelated attack, and that was the way the attackers got in. And what made that easier is that uh, reportedly Colonial Pipeline did not implement multi-factor authentication which is adding another step of authentication. the notification. step number one, is you put in a strong password to your point, Trent and Tracy use a, a password manager so you have the, the convenience of having, you know, 15 to 20 long complex characters. Um, so step one, strong ID and password. And step two, a temporary a pin or code or password that folks would get yeah, from a text message or a security app, preferably. And that, that only lasts for like a minute. And, and that makes it significantly harder for an attacker to compromise an account because of a password reuse. Password reuse is one of the top ways folks uh, can compromise accounts one way or the other. So if you've kudos to you for recommending LastPass. Any password manager folks can adopt, it'll make your life significantly easier. And, and to be really honest, guys, it's not about preventing an attack, whether it's home or work. It's about not being low hanging fruit. If you are a much tougher target, the attacker has
1: millions or billions of other people that are lower-hanging fruit, so you get to kind of scale by. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I know even some So mine's in the browser. LastPass is in my browser, and, and depending on your company and network settings, firewalls, all that kind of stuff, you might not be able to use it, but what I'd recommend is reach out to someone in IT. You probably have a contract with those, like with LastPass or something like that, so you might actually have it for free, and you might have to go through... IT to get it, but um, you've mentioned Julio ransomware a couple times, so two two questions. One, for those that don't know, what is ransomware? And then two, uh, recently I heard you talk about ransomware as a service, so I kind of wanted you to give us some details about what that means also.
0: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, ransomware is a type of attack whereby the attacker will... Uh, install uh, malicious uh, software on a corporate network, for example, and the software will encrypt the data, make systems inaccessible, and, and it's very destructive uh, because the, the, the attacker will require that the victim will pay a ransom as a condition of getting a decryption key to decrypt all the data and continue to operate in businesses. The problem is well, there's a, there's a lot of problems. Number one, even if you pay the ransom, there's no guarantee that you will get a decryption key or anything that works. Number two, if you pay the ransom and that ransom payment is made to to an entity that's, that's sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury or the United States government, then you may have some potential fines and penalties and other things <laughs> that you may have to deal with. And and, and I, I think that was number three. Number four, uh, the more that collectively as a society we pay ransoms, the more incentive we provide for attackers to 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 repeat these uh, type of attacks, so this is this is a major major challenge. Um, I'll point to recently a company called JBS. I, I want to say they're the largest meat supplier in the world, and they were victim to ransom attack about a month ago. And they, uh, I know for a little while there was concern in, on Wall Street that they were going to raise prices. Um, for, for meat, so that the industry was going to raise meat prices significantly. And thankfully, that, that didn't fully happen. Because JBS quickly responded to mitigate the impact, but they also ended up, this got disclosed, they paid an $11, $11 million ransom payment. That is just a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, I mean, I just, when I heard that number, I thought to myself, how far can eleven with security staff, with better tools, with better monitoring? I mean, oh my God. Anyway, hindsight 2020. But to your question about ransomware as a service, this this is this is what I think is making ransomware attacks grow in, in, in demand or, or in, in occurrence. So it's a RAS, ransomware as a service this is a kind of extension of cloud terminology. We've all heard SaaS, software as a service, PaaS, IS, and so on. So ransomware as a service or RAS is, is, is really a business model where folks that create ransomware, uh, uh, malware that that will encrypt systems and data. These, uh, this, this is a business model where ransomware is created and then and then leased or offered to bad actors in, in a way that any kind of software provider would. Um, the, the, the the issue with RAS is ransomware as service is that it it makes it much it lowers the bar. It makes it much easier for people with bad intentions to leverage the technology and, and cause attacks. You, know, you do not have to be a tenured you know, a penetration tester, technical expert in order to launch these attacks using these kits. So you ransom a service means you go to the, to the bad actor providing you a kit. The kit allows you to deploy this attacks. So it lowers the technical bar. And at the same time, as you guys know, people pay ransoms and this, this is a, this is a very, a very lucrative business. Uh, and what, what probably got your attention trend is a, I, I think Pedro mentioned that a lot of these, these, these kit developers, uh, they, they operate like businesses. I mean, this is going to shock you guys, I, I think, but if you are a malicious actor and you want one of these ransomware as a service kits to deploy these attacks, you pay a subscription fee, or maybe you pay a flat fee, but the point is you pay a fee. Um, it, it could be as little as like 50 bucks a month, uh, for the it, it, kind of subscription service. And, and depending on what you buy, you can, you can get a one-time license of this kit with no profit sharing. Where well, you can actually have a profit sharing agreement where the developers may get like 30% of the cut and you get 80% of the cut of the ransom. So it operates, that's a business. It's incentivized, as a business. And, and frankly, when you think about how behind the world is uh, in terms of securing enterprises and how currently the world is being impacted financially because of COVID and how easy it is to deploy these attacks, you, it's reasonable to assume these things are only
1: going to get worse. So, it's a subscription model. So, on someone's credit card statement, we're going to see Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and then ransomware. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Tracy. Well, well, well they, 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 you know, they transact back and
0: forth via Bitcoin or maybe, maybe Ethereum, maybe Monero. But uh, yeah, th- this is a legitimate problem, and and uh, it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of uh, a new way to think about how important security needs to be for every single organization.
2: Yeah, I, I think it sounds insane that this is where we've come to. This is where we've arrived. This is what's happening. And um, the, the fact that we have to protect our businesses like this is uh, it's not something that we could have imagined 20 years ago. Yeah,
1: you know? it is absolutely nuts. Um, hey, we're running up against the clock. Julia, I did want to ask you because it's something that I've found really interesting about you. I know you take a lot of trainings, um, online trainings, courses, things like that. And, you know, we've talked about machine learning, R, Python, uh, things of that nature. And so one thing, and I know you pay these out of your own pocket because you believe in in learning and growing. So two questions. One, uh, real quick, is there any new training that that you've come across that you would recommend to the audience? And then the second, because usually when we talk, it's about tech, uh, machine learning, things like that. Are there any like soft skills or communication-based trainings that you've taken that you would recommend?
0: A great question. The first one is regardless of what you do, auditor, business person, director, anybody, uh, there's, a, there's a class on Coursera.org. It's called AI for Everyone. It's offered by a very reputable a company called Deep And it's a class for everybody. It, it, like the name implies, it isn't for engineers. It, you'll, you'll, you take the class and you'll understand the differences between the different different kinds of AI, computer vision, uh, machine learning, natural language processing. The, the class will talk about different use cases, and that class I think is really powerful because it gives context. It helps people understand uh, what what AI really is, why we shouldn't be afraid of it, and, and how what is the role of business and technology in, in the in the world of AI. So, a great class for folks to take. You can take it for free. You can pay for it. It's pretty cheap. And you can get it there within a month. So I, I recommend that one for sure. Um, to your second question, I would say, you know, I, I've kind of sporadically uh, over the years done videos uh, about uh, improving my speaking skills. I mean, I, I listen to any recordings I've done. I, I, I criticize more than you live in Otrant. <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing that I can honestly say is there's, there's a lot of resources out there. For, for experts that are public speakers. So following public speaking experts, I think can be really helpful. If you're really shy about public speaking, I think Toastmasters never attended one, but I have relatives that have, and I've heard great things. So look up Toastmasters in your local area. And, and another thing that helped me a ton in the very beginning of my career, I mentioned you guys in the beginning of the session that I volunteer with a local IA chapter. And if you're if you want to improve your communication skills, it, or at least give you the, a set of circumstances to test out your the things you've learned online or with books uh, volunteer with your local chapter whether it is it's audit or whether you are a mortgage professional you would do the mortgage bankers association whatever there are lots of groups all across the every industry uh, but putting yourself out there uh, i think can, can make a big difference and even if it causes
1: you a little anxiety you'll be better off us. i strongly recommend it appreciate that really i always learn something every time we talk. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm Trent Russell. Tracy, I'll throw to you uh, any any final words, and then you can kind of yes. close up.
2: Thanks. Yeah, final words. Um, I am a Toastmaster, so I've been a Toastmaster, I don't know, I think it's seven years now. It is a super, super training ground. It's probably the least expensive training you'll ever get, and it's also an opportunity to polish your leadership skills like it is for, work, for volunteering for your local IAE chapter, so I highly recommend it as well, and if anyone Um, listening wants uh, some information about Toastmasters feel free to reach out because I definitely do support the organization and the work that we do together it's a fabulous thing and I think your communication skills are wonderful Julio I can definitely see (laughs) that you're an experienced speaker Um, I have my ears open for those kinds of things being a communication consultant so um, just want to say thank you so much for joining us and I am Tracy Marquardt Europe's leading audit communication consultant and I've got a webinar coming up end of July, so keep an eye on my LinkedIn profile. It'll be announced there. And thank you, Trend, as always, for being our moderator today.
1: Absolutely. Let me close. That with, this is the audit room on Clubhouse. We're here every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago time. Thanks, everyone, that was uh, in the audience. And we will hear you, I guess, next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.